Cinema Jaw is sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls. Just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free in the App Store. And we thank them for their support. Listening to Cinema Jaw, the greatest movies podcast ever, recorded on location at Cards Against Humanity in Chicago. My name is Matt Kay, and with me is Ride the Movie Guy, and sitting inside the fish tank is producer Pat. Hey guys, how's it going? This week on Cinema Jaw, Matt, we get ready for Star Wars oh. Episode Nine. Yeah, the end of the Skywalker saga. You know, right? It seems like it was a long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. When it all started. <laughs> it's been nine movies, 40 years. Wow. And that's only a little bit longer than I've been, or a little bit shorter than I've been alive. So it's been most of my life, all the life I can remember, I've had Star Wars. I agree. I grew up playing Star Wars. Uh, huge influence on why I love movies in general, there's no doubt. Did you have the Wiffle... Star Wars lightsaber toy. Ooh, yeah, I had a couple of those. You remember those? Mm-hmm. They broke when you would f- get really into it, but they made that really strange, didn't sound anything like the movie sound, but that <laughs> when you swung them around. They tried. It was good. It's a good toy for the 80s. Since it is Star Wars month on Cinema Jaw, and because we were getting ready for episode nine, me and Matt sort of teased this in the last episode. We said at one point during this month, we will actually rank our Star Wars movies. And here and we go. And that's what we're going to do this week on Cinema Jaw, man. That's what I've already done. I'm ready to piss off a ton of jawheads. And full disclosure, uh, we've had to record things out of order. Um, so I, I've heard Matt reference something that is going to be, I know it is going to shock people. All right? I can tease this. I don't this. think so. Oh, I, I am 100% sure it's going to shock it. people. I doubt it. And two, I already know... Where we're going is going to lead to an argument on this particular show. So okay. I could just tell. Well, we'll see. Besides that, we have more going on, do we not, Pat? Yeah, this week we're also going eye for an eye on Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. And we have a review of Jumanji, The Next Level. Plus, we have trivia. And as you guys know, Jawheads, we always let the winner of the monthly riddle pick if they want a prize pack or to take Matt K on in trivia. Alyssa from North Carolina, who's on vacation, she wrote us, in Cancun, Mexico, said she'll take time out of her van- vacation if she can record tonight. And so we will get Alyssa on the phone to take you on in Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson movie trivia. Wow. And you wonder why? Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson. Well, I kind of know why. That is because, in addition to everything else we have going on in the jaw, we have a spoiler lounge of Marriage Story that we recorded with Don Shanahan. Yes, one of the directors of the CAIC, our Critics Association. Exactly. So we are going to finally play that spoiler lounge. Now that Marriage Story is out on Netflix, everybody can see it. We'll play that as well, and we'll play some trivia. Yeah, and hey, special thanks to Alyssa for taking time out of her vacation to be on the show. That's amazing. Thank you. Unbelievable. All right, let's get the show rolling here with a Star Wars fact, since it is Star Wars Month here on Cinema Jaw. All right, this week's uh, Star Wars fact was director Kevin Smith visited the set of Episode Eleven: The Force Awakens. Smith infamous for his open and talkative nature, was forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement, and J.J. Abrams had World War II-style propaganda posters titled Loose Lips Sink Starships hung up around the set as a reminder to Kevin Smith not to reveal spoilers of the film to the public. True to his word, the only tidbit Smith revealed about his visit was that he cried when he stood on the Millennium Falcon set as it reminded him of how much he loved Star Wars as a child. I could see Kevin Smith getting so excited that he could spoil something. That makes sense that J.J. Abrams had to remind him, hey, you know, mum's the word. 
Yeah, it's it's fair. It's a good reminder. Although I, I know Kevin Smith is such a huge Star Wars fan, he would do nothing to jeopardize the property. But sometimes, sometimes you know, things slip. So good reminder. Would you like to visit the set of a Star Wars movie? Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, you wouldn't? I, I would, but... but the movies are, are so special to me, and I enjoy them so much. You wouldn't much want to see the magic? You that I, exactly. I, sometimes I, I wouldn't want to see, oh, I see. It's just a movie. Kevin Smith you know said what it I mean? brought him to tears, man. Mm. We had Star Wars Celebration here in Chicago, and I got to go on. This is just a you know set up for the celebration, but they had more or less set up a, a Millennium Falcon that a you replica. could take pictures of him. Same thing. I mean, it was awesome just going on there and just being like, oh, man, this is so cool. That was the longest line of all a Star Wars celebration was to walk on sort of the fake set that they had put up for uh, the celebration How and was take it? pictures. It was awesome. I, I literally was incredible. Ugh, Got to sit at the chessboard and, you know. Yeah. Did so cool. Play Chewy. So much fun. All right. Uh, brings us to Eye for an Eye. What do we got going on, Pat? This week, we're going eye for an eye on Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, my God. There's another Star Wars movie? I didn't know. <laughs> the shocker. The surviving resistance faces the First Order once more in the final chapter of the Skywalker saga. Some interesting notes. J.J. Abrams becomes the first person besides George Lucas to direct multiple Star Wars films. Carrie Russell is in the cast, and the runtime is reportedly two hours and 21 minutes. Wow. That's kind of long. Good tidbits there. That is interesting when you think about it. This is George Lucas's baby, the whole universe. Hmm. He directed four of the films. He did the three prequels and the original Star Wars. Right. But he sold his baby, didn't he? But he sold his baby. And now there's been different directors, but now J.J. Abrams is directing his second Star Wars film. Hmm. He really did a great job. Um, I think the best way to say it is he made, he got the fun back in episode, what now I'm already confused, episode seven. Seven. Right, mm-hmm. when the Force awakens. So I, I have full confidence in J.J. Abrams. Oh, yeah. J.J.'s the guy, right? He did the same thing with Star Trek. I just hope, and we're not ringing a bell here. We're all interested. Yeah. No reason to ring the bell. I just hope it's as epic as I want it to be. You're a Marvel fan, mm-hmm. big Marvel fan, sure. and you had this kind of like moment of uh, the whole series, in, in a way, coming to a conclusion. It's going to go on, but you know what I mean? This this huge story arc. I'm surprised they didn't break conclusion. it up into two movies. But I don't have that in, in anywhere else other than Star Wars that I would say I'm a really big fan of the series. And this is my guy. So for me, the only thing I'm worried about is I want, I want it to be so epic and, and feel so satisfied that all nine movies conclude and I feel happy. I, I don't know. I, I hope I'm cheering. I hope I'm crying. I hope I'm feeling like I'm seven years old again. Well, The Last Jedi is a bit of a controversial entry in the Star Wars saga. Um, love it or hate it, doesn't matter. It did deviate quite a bit from what J.J. set up. And one of the main detractions or criticisms of The Force Awakens is that it was sort of uh, beat-for-beat remake almost in a way, at least thematically and, like I said, beat-for-beat of A New Hope. And then it went off the rails, rightly or wrongly so. So where do we go? Where does... How does he tie it up in just two hours and 20 minutes? Because there's a lot of question marks still, because that second one didn't really answer too many things. So, yeah, I agree with you, man. Trepidation, fear, I'm a little nervous because we've seen bad Star Wars movies. This is important, goddammit, and they better get it right. I agree. Better stick the landing here, JJ. <laughs> Maybe the most important film of his life. Pat, what do you got here, buddy? Um... So as Matt and Rye know, I'm not a huge Star Wars guy. Get him off the show. So I'm going to go. Um, <laughs> okay, but in all seriousness, though, I do want to get into Star Wars, but I think that requires me to watch all the Star Wars movies. So I am interested. I do eventually want to see this movie, but I feel like I need to catch up. Well, that's funny that you should you should mention that, Um 
Pat, because a lot of people struggle with this. And, and I, I want to provide a service to all the jawheads and any who, who may have family members or maybe they themselves have never seen the Star Wars movies like producer Pat, who must live under a rock. <clears throat> what order do you watch them in, Ryan? What do you recommend? Um, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. Which means? I would start the way they were released. You would go in release order. I would. Okay. I, I do like I do like where you're going with this, but I would go with the release order. Okay, that's fair. So what you what you mean is the original um, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford films, uh, the first three, and then you go Correct. to the prequels, and yep. then to the to the more recent ones. Pat, what was your instinct? How would you have watched them? I, pro- I probably would have gone that way. Really? Yeah. Okay. There's only one way to watch it. It's called Machete Order. Okay. Go online. Check this out. Uh, the, the article came out in 2011. I think it's nomachetejuggling.com, which means you can't deviate from this. You watch episode four, A New Hope, which is the first one. Episode five, which is Empire, Empire Strikes Back. Then you go to episode two, which continues the story because we get a bombshell. It, Pat hasn't seen it, so I guess I don't spoil the major twist we get in Empire Strikes Back about um, Darth Vader or do you know? I'm pretty sure I know. Okay, yeah. so you you continue Darth Vader's story, but you you don't see little Anakin Skywalker, which big was mistake. big mistake. Yeah. In fact, that's not even... No, I'm the, saying a big mistake to miss episode one. But oh, no, 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 it's not. You, you, the only thing you lose from episode one is that tremendous lightsaber battle. And if you want to watch Well, we'll that, get there. We're going to rank our Star fine, Wars films. Fine, so fine, 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 fine. If you want to see that, just watch it on YouTube. Then you go to episode three, Re- Revenge of the Sith. And then you finish it all up with Return of the Jedi, which has the best ending of the entire series. That's the way you watch these movies. I'm not saying that's my ranking there, you know, of, of where they sit in my heart, but that is the proper order to introduce Star Wars to a neophyte. Wow. Wow. No machetejuggling.com if you want a detailed explanation of why that is the right order to watch them in. There you go. All interested in Star Wars, our review next episode when we do our top 10 of the year with Brian Tallarico. Big show for us, Matt K. I'm excited, as you can tell. Speaking of new movies, Matt. Yeah, Ryan. The Rock, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, and Nebula herself, Karen Gillan, are all back for another go in the deadly game of Jumanji. This time joined by Aquafina, Danny Glover, and none other than Danny DeVito. This is that dreaded thing, a sequel of a reboot. The aforementioned was pretty good, but will this cartridge fit back into the console, or is it time to upgrade? We plunked in a quarter to find out. Welcome to Jumanji! This next adventure is even more challenging. And remember, the future of Jumanji is in your hands. I have one important question. Who is Jumanji? Is that Barbara's boy? We're gonna die. We did die. Are we in hell? I knew it. Oh my god. All in the this is a whole new thing. Let me know. You've got to have eyes in the back of your head. Few of us were betting heavily on 2017's Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Even though the cast was strong, they have all separately made some duds, and it seemed like a cashing in on the nostalgia for the 1995 classic. Speaking of the 95 classic, the tone seemed plain wrong for the property. The original was actually quite dark and even scary, and not a picture I'd show to kids under eight, while this new one seemed bouncy, fun, and lower stakes. However, it was a surprise hit. Much, much more than any of us expected, especially from a little especially from a title like Welcome to the Jungle. Now, two years later, that stellar cast returns with some huge additions to make a sequel, and I actually had high hopes going in, even if they were slightly tempered. I was ready and waiting with an, oh, well, they tried. Ryan, I'm happy to tell you that I still have that, oh, well, they tried card in my pocket. Jumanji, the next level, is also a delightful adventure and may even be better than the first. I'll spare you a deep breakdown of the plot. Here's what you need to know. The kids who got trapped in the first game and turned into Jack, The Rock, and Karen are back after their first year at college. One of them hears the drums of Jumanji calling him and goes back into the game. Naturally, the others must follow and a rescue mission ensues. DeVito and Glover also accidentally get pulled into the game and a new adventure comedy begins that takes them 
from arid deserts to snowy mountains in an effort to win the game and get out alive. For a family-friendly action-adventure comedy that doesn't rock any boats, Jumanji has some surprisingly deep themes. Front and center, though deeply veiled, is suicide and depression. Alex Wolf, who plays Dwayne Johnson's real-world counterpart Spencer, goes seemingly willingly into Jumanji again. His motivation is a little more to chew on than the surface-level sadness. I also picked up on themes of body image, obviously, aging, forgiveness, and gender identity. There's more going on in the silly movie than deserves to be. And all the while, Jack, The Rock, and Kevin are cracking wise and making silly jokes. And let's talk about the acting. Each of the leads plays at least two different people, and the way they embody a different character without a costume change is impressive. Seriously, when you're watching, remember to take a step back and appreciate what a good acting job you are witnessing. I don't want to overstate it. This isn't the next Lawrence of Arabia, but it seems to be bucking all the naysayers and adding up to way more than the sum of its parts. It's tough to point to any serious flaws in the movie. Really, for what it's for what it is and what it's trying to be, I think it's perfect. Wow, perfect. <laughs> I didn't think you'd say perfect. But shockingly, Matt, shockingly, I would say this was just as much fun, if not more fun, than the first one. And I think that's what your review sums up as well. Neither of the films I, I will probably remember as time passes. Both are, are fun time at the theater, but let's be honest. A year from now, I'll forget exactly what Jumanji 2 was all about, right? Yeah, maybe. Stand out here, Kevin Hart playing Danny Glover. So as you mentioned, these characters go into a game, and they basically are are acting like their counterpart on the outside of the game. And in this instance, Danny Glover gets sucked into the game, and Kevin Hart has to play him. This made the first 30 minutes of... Jumanji. Mm-hmm. I, I was laughing every single time he would talk. He nailed it, that slow credence of how, how he would speak. Mm-hmm. And it even is a joke in the movie about um, he's just talking too slow and it's, it's costing them time and, and possibly putting the entire party in danger. Loved it. Um, also, big fan of them changing characters throughout the game. Like you said, they each play I almost, different characters. I, I almost don't think you should have uh, mentioned this. You said they play two different characters, so I think that's okay to say. Okay. And this isn't a spoiler kind of movie. People are going to go see it. Well, I, I got to tell you, I didn't expect that, and I was pleasantly surprised by that. And I think it, it needed that because if they would have just constantly went on with it needed something who, who they were playing, they 100% needed to be able to switch characters. It makes the movie. You know? It makes the movie. It was so, it so interesting. And then um, some of the, the action sequences in this movie are just plain fun. So, yes, I mean, enjoyed the heck out of this movie in general. If I was breaking it down a little bit further, I would say a slow opening. And I like that you, you have this uh, theme of, you say, suicide. Well, yeah, depression at least, but... I think I think suicide's pretty deep. I don't know what you were looking at here. Well, I didn't get like that I said, it's, it's, I think it's very deeply veiled. But uh, the character Spencer is home after his first year of college, feeling more lost than ever. He's a depressed guy. But did, where did you see the suicide? I, I, I don't he get that. He goes into Jumanji. That's he. He needed, it could have been an accident. Yeah, but it's it's an analogy for leaving this world. It, yeah, and or he was longing to be that character again. There's no doubt. Right, but that doesn't mean suicide. Well, it's Jumanji just a is, a, is a very, very, very dangerous place. You're going back to the very first Jumanji. No, and even yes, in, you are. Even in Welcome to the Jungle, they only have a certain amount of lives. They're being hunted by wild animals. People are out to get them. But he didn't go in there. I don't think with any intention of killing himself. No, I think he I went back either. in because he he didn't have the, you know, the the excitement of what he he was and who he was oh. in Jumanji. I don't know if that's completely it. Yes, he wanted to feel the power again, but he was also forlorn and just, uh, you know, um, done with the world. He, he couldn't figure out how he fit into our world, so he left. I think it's deeply veiled, and I could be wrong, but I found it there. I think you're, you're overthinking this. Maybe. I, he could have went in by mistake. We still don't know. No, he didn't go in by mistake. He admits he went in. 
But the first 15 minutes before they get into Jumanji, I actually felt, oh, no, it was, it was grueling. Oh, I didn't find that grueling. No? No. I thought that 15 minutes felt like 45 minutes to me. Like, get into the damn game already. Let's get back to the fun. No, I didn't. I, I liked the setup. It was fine. I liked Danny DeVito. It was fantastic seeing him shuffle around. Good. Yeah. It was, it was great. It was fine. A favorite scene? A uh, favorite scene would be probably when Aquafina is is playing Danny DeVito, <laughs> and and she's like, "Hey, you, get away from those horses!" You know, like I don't know. She she just did it. Everybody has kind of a turn at doing their best Danny DeVito, <laughs> and I think she was my favorite by far. Was, she was really good. Um, so I'm going to highlight the action sequences because we're talking about the comedy aspect and and the acting of them uh, portraying these people outside of the game. But there's really two great action sequences in the movie that are, are extremely fun. One of them has the entire group running from these wild ostriches. That was really good. I was going to say that one. It was so bizarre. Uh, the ostriches, just such a funny bird to have that many ostriches on screen. And the whole look of it and them trying to get away, it works because you're laughing the whole time at the absurdity of it. But... It's also sort of thrilling, right? Yeah. It's action-wise, it, it works. And then there's this other great sequence where the group has to get across these swinging bridges, and the ge- geometry uh, comes into play of what bridge to get on. And if that wasn't enough, they have these wild killer monkeys chasing after them, which were actually quite terrifying. They were scary, yeah. <laughs> I, I love those two scenes. Those are both great sequences. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you got a movie poster quote here? Jumanji, the next levels got game. What do you got? You didn't like that, huh? No. Like a rehashed video game. Fun. But we've seen it before. I mean, that's kind of wordy for... Yeah. yeah. All right, how about this one? I wrote down two just in case. Oh, my God. You cheat. Go on. Press play one more time. It's fun. What? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, you have no future in writing like advertising <laughs> slogans. What about like continue dot dot dot? That's yes. not bad. There you go. See? That should have been your poster quote. Well, now it is. There you go. How many jaws are you giving this one? Believe it or not, I'm giving Jumanji four jaws. What? <laughs> Come Listen, on. No. Hey, what's wrong <laughs> with the movie? Four jaws. No. It's a it's a Dude, fun slow it down no. here. Slow it down. I climb it. down. Climb down. I laughed. I was scared. I, I I found some deeper themes. Maybe you didn't, but but I it at least made me think a little bit. And I thought the acting was way better than it deserved to be in a Jumanji two. Wow, it's a damn good movie, and I think it's it's fun for the whole family. It's four jaws. Jawheads. I'm gonna say this. It, I'm recommending it, but it's two and a half jaws. It's a good ah, movie. You're being you're being a little <laughs> insincere. No. You need to be honest. This was a great movie, and I loved it. Two and a half jaws. Four jaws. Wow. Can't believe that. I loved it. Is it going to be in my top 10 of the year? Maybe not, but I think it's a damn good movie. All right. Go see it. If you've seen Jumanji, agree, disagree. Want to tell Matt how goofy he is for giving it four jaws? I have no Write shame. Us feedback at cinemajaw.com or at Twitter at cinemajaw. We'll retweet, get the discussion going. All right. So, Star Wars Episode 9 is coming out. It will be the 11th live action Star Wars movie. And so we decided to rank our Star Wars films. Yeah. That's basically it. That's what we're going to do here. And I know for a fact, hearing Matt talk about certain movies in the Star Wars universe, that we are completely opposite ends here mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, um, How do you want to do this? I was going to say, do you want to go sort of rapid fire, say what your number 10 is, 10 is, argue, go on and forth. I think that would be fun. Okay, let's we sort do of it. go fast furious, and I'll tell you when you're wrong, okay? Well, I'll tell you when you're wrong. I like it. Okay. All right, what you got at number 10? Mind you, we're not putting um, the Clones movie, the animated movie. No, this is live live action. action. Right, right. Yes. Number 10. This is the worst Star Wars film of all time. It's hands down. I'm 100% sure of this. I hated this movie, and when I watch it, I'm embarrassed for it. Attack of the Clones, number 10. Wow. I hate sand, terrible line. Worst of the prequels, 
Nothing works in this film. Way too heavy on the CGI. The opening chase scene is terrible. The droid factory is actually laughable at this point. And even the main battle scene at the end when our our heroes are chained up and these giant beasts are going to come, all of that looks so phony. And it was all sold that the savior of this was going to be this uh, Yoda lightsaber battle. But go back and look at it. What are we watching? A CGI Yoda twirling around? It's not good. Nothing in this movie is good. It's the worst Star Wars movie there is. Ten. I mean, I can argue with that. I don't think it's the worst at all. It's 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 not my number 10. At number 10, I have The Phantom Menace. Oh, you want to talk about no. bad dialogue? I, I hate sand. It's coarse. It comes from that movie, all right? I mean, Anakin Skywalker, yippee! I'm sorry, Jake Lloyd. I really do feel sorry for for you and and everything that's happened since this. It's it's an albatross you did not deserve. But this movie is shit. It's total crap. Every You're so wrong. every bit of ham fisted dialogue is ridiculous. This is also the movie that gave us the worst thing about Star Wars ever: the midi chlorians. Oh, I just want to puke every time I see this movie. There's a reason when I told him the order to see the movies in, this wasn't even on the list. You can skip it. Don't even watch it. It doesn't exist in my mind. At number nine. Except for that lightsaber battle. We'll get there. Okay. Because it's much higher on my list. At number nine, Solo, a Star Wars movie. All I'll say on this one is some stories and some myths are better untold. Sometimes it works when they go, and sometimes it doesn't. This one didn't need to be told. Um, I I don't like the idea that there was a a different actor playing our Han Solo. It just seemed like a stretch. It was the first time a Star Wars movie felt unneeded. Mm. I agree with you, man. This is exactly where I have Solo, at number nine. Just a disappointment. Yeah, just didn't need to exist. Doesn't justify itself. Some, some little bit of fun with Lando. That's about it. That's the saving grace. At number eight, the eighth, and at this point I'll say worst film of Star Wars, Revenge of the Sith. Wow. 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 So I have went back and I've watched the prequel trilogies, and I can say too much CGI. When you go back and you watch it now... You're putting Sith below Phantom Menace? That is travesty. No, 100%. I am so right on this. I know you have not watched Phantom Menace in a long time. Yes, I I watch them almost every year. You don't watch these movies I own a box set of DVDs, of Blu-rays. You don't watch them like I do. Listen, too much CGI, and this is what annoyed me so much the last time I watched Revenge of the Sith, was how fast... Lucas made cuts at the end of the movie because he was piecing the story together. So at points, uh, you have scenes where it's it's like, I wonder where Obi-Wan is. Cut. Cut to Obi-Wan on some planet. I'm okay. Cut. Cut to somebody else. It, it, it's bad storytelling. And you finally get this epic lightsaber battle that really, the, at this point, five films have led up to because we had had the, you know, the, the originals. We all heard about how it was going to be Anakin versus Obi-Wan, and you get it, and he sets it with this CGI lava, where if you go back and you look at it, already it's laughable. It, everything looks fake about it. There was no heart in, the, in this, this lightsaber battle at well, all. I agree with you on the lightsaber battle. But Fail. This is where we find out about... Um, and hold on. And hold on. Okay. She died because she lost the will to live? Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. Right. Hey, man, I'm not going to argue with you. The, the prequels are pretty bad. But the, there's no way that this movie is worse than The Phantom Menace. That scene where they're watching the opera and the uh, Palpatine is explaining to Anakin how uh, Darth Tyrannus learned how to use the Force to bring right. people back from the dead is a great scene. The scene where Mace Windu confronts Palpatine in his office is a great scene. I wouldn't say great. I wouldn't say great. Oh, it's a great scene, dude. It is a great scene. The other thing that... Uh, that- uh, Revenge of the Sith is lacking is like that big set piece like in, in Jedi when they go to Jabba's palace uh, empire when they go to Hoth the pod race yeah, and I'm right. gonna get there there's no one big like okay they go to this and there's that big action well, they, sequence they were that's going absolutely for awesome they were going for it with the lava planet but I agree with you they sort of failed uh, alright that, that swings it back to me at, at number 8 this is where I put uh, Attack of the Clones it's not nearly as bad as I think Ryan wants to think it is, but it is pretty pretty bad. Um, 
I, I, I sort of liked um, what's the character, the robot with all uh, with the four arms, General Grievous. General Grievous. Grievous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was pretty cool, but uh, yeah, it, it hasn't aged that. All way. right. So at number seven, this is where I put Phantom Menace. I say it's the best prequel. <laughs> And I'm going to stand by this, Matt. I'm going to stand by this. Best film of the prequels. It is the only one of the three that has the Star Wars adventure feel to it, has the big set piece like the pod race, and the triple or even quadruple action finale of a space battle, ground battle on Naboo, lightsaber duel, which is maybe the best in the series. It is. And Padme trying to get back to the throne. All of it happening at one time. It's, I'll give you that. It's it's literally is like okay yes it's a Star Wars movie and if you watch the 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 three of them, completely different between Phantom Menace and the other two as far as CGI went. Go back and watch it. The Droid Factory, all those, it's all CGI. The sets way too much. Phantom Menace had some practical effects. Some. They even had Yoda in the, at least the original version they of it. Had puppets. Yeah. And 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 he they would, went back and they animated. were clinging onto some of it, and it works. When I go back and I watch, I'm like, yeah, these were good sets. That works. You can tell. You can literally tell. I agree with that. I still think that the acting and the dialogue is so so bad that it really knocks it down a few pegs. And number seven, um, this is where I put the Last Jedi. And by no means are any of these movies bad. I, I like The Last Jedi quite a bit, but I think that there's a lot of great movies above it. So I have at six, The Last Jedi. This is where I put it, you know, right in that middle range. And for me, I just say, I haven't seen the movie more than once. I saw it the one time in the theater. It's the only Star Wars movie. I have seen Solo, part of it, a second time. But The Last Jedi, I've only seen one time. I may have only seen it once, too. I want to say I've seen it twice, but I don't know I think I'll true. warm up to it. I didn't hate the movie. I didn't hate it either. No, I really liked that part where they jump to hyperspace and the silence. Oh, that part was excellent. <sighs> Amazing. Yeah, so that was my number six. What do you got sitting at six? At six, I have The Force Awakens. Mm. Um, it's great. It's just not as great as what what came before, I guess. I, I love The Force Awakens. I liked the, well, the reawakening of a new adventure, a new generation of Star Wars heroes. So it was it was a fun re-entry into the universe or the galaxy far, far away. All right, here we go with our top five. My number five, Rogue One. What? Man, yes. you are so off. I'm not. Yes, you I'm are. I'm telling you, Rogue One, okay, this film, the ending of the film is what we all remember. We talk about, oh, how amazing the ending of the movie is. I always say it's it's probably the best half hour of Star Wars there is. I get very emotional. I think it's brilliant. And I love how it gave us insight into the destruction of the Death Star by Luke because we always thought like this one shot off by Luke was a bit silly. To come to think that they made this whole movie that this thing was, you know, planted in a way is fantastic. I love the idea of it. But when I go back and I watch it, the first hour drags for me. And that's why it sits at five. Not that I hate it. I'm a Star Wars fan. I know. That's fine. I think you're, you're way off on that, but that's okay. At number five, uh, this is where I put uh, Revenge of the Sith. Where did you have it? You mentioned this one. Wow. Yeah, I had it at eight. I think it's one of the better. Obviously, it's in the top five of the ten we've seen so far. It's the best of the prequels, and there, I've said it. Wow. All right. Into it's the one I've watched the most. Number four. First one of the original trilogies, I have Return of the Jedi. Me too. Do you? Yep. And growing up uh, in the 80s, this was the one that I probably watched the most. Me too. I watched it. I loved the Ewoks. I loved so many things. The speeders. Right. The ad-ats. The ad-ats. Yeah. Well, it wasn't the ad-ats in the, in the snow, but it was the... Uh, ATSTs. Yeah, the, the two-footed yeah. ad-ats. Chicken walkers. Those guys were great. Those were awesome. Did you have the toy? I didn't. Ooh, I did. Really? Yeah. Love that thing. And... It had the big confrontation between Luke and Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. That was he was so calm when he went. Literally epic. Yeah, yeah. he was. I, I mean, he was just such a hero, you know. At that point, yeah. And I love when he, the, the whole time when like he's fighting, fighting Vader, and he's willing to like put down his guard. You know, he's like, "I won't fight you," and then Vader's still like, "Then you will die." Yeah, love it. This is a great moment. Yeah, I have no arguments here, man. Yeah, like I said, I also have. 
Return of the Jedi at number four. So what do you got at number three, Ryan? Number three, this is where I have The Force Awakens. And wow, it, it breaks into the to the originals. Yeah. And I, I think it is because J.J. Abrams uh, accomplished the big major feat of making Star Wars fun again. After going through the prequels, at that point, it seemed like it was getting too serious. All the actors were taking it too serious. Fans were so serious about it, negative. And he said, hey, let's get back to what Star Wars was, and that's fun. I No major arguments for me. I'm surprised, but not shocked. It's fine. Uh, at number three, I put the original, the thing that started it all, A New Hope. Oh, too low, too low. No, I don't think so. Wow. Uh, so at number two, then, I have, which I think is probably going to be your number one. I can't see any way it's not. At number two, I have The Empire Strikes Back. And the film had it all. Yoda, Adats, Tauntauns, Lando, Cloud City. Two talked about kisses and maybe the best reveal in movie history. So if, if it is your number one, I, I, I don't fault it. I think it gave us more of the, uh, all of those things that I mentioned are, are more of the things we remember about Star Wars than probably any of the other films had in one single film. But, yeah. Uh, we, this, this is waxed poetically about in the movie Clerks, and I think largely what they said is completely accurate. It's, it's the dark entry. It's the downbeat. You know, you need that downbeat in order to introduce stakes and um, tell us why we are emotionally invested in these characters. And I actually have Empire Strikes Back at number two as well. What? Yeah. I don't even know what that leaves at number one. I'm yeah, confused here. Holy cow. Do the cow. math. All right, what do you got at number so one? So at number one, I'm a purist. I have A New Hope, the one that kicked it off. And I'll just say this really quick. I love how rough the film is in, in a way. Lucas came out and he did the special editions in like 97-ish, mm -hmm. uh, right before he was about to do the prequels. And I think those special editions hurt this particular film the most because some of the beauty of A New Hope is how spectacular of a movie it was for the limited special effects that they could possibly pull I off agree. at the times. I agree. So by adding the CGI is like a slap in the face of all, all the, the people. people that worked on it and made it this space opera masterpiece. Not to mention Han shot first. Right. I mean, don't even get dude, into that. Dude, it's a, it's back again because for, on the Disney Plus version, there's like a new thing that he's done. It's ridiculous. Lucas, or, or whoever's doing it now, Kathleen Kennedy, stop messing with it. Just leave it alone. I go back and I watch a, a New Hope, and it's my favorite. I I have no major arguments with that. The, a New Hope is fantastic. Uh, any one of these three, you could you could kind of move around. But at number one, I have what is the greatest Star Wars story ever told, and that is Rogue One. What? It's Rogue One, dude. It's not the best. It is the best. But. Hear out this argument. If you're going to say Rogue One, the only reason why you're saying Rogue One is because A New Hope, right? It is so tied in to oh, yeah. A New Hope, right? Sure, sure, yeah. But it's the, it's the most self-contained of any of them, right? It, you don't need to know about New Hope to enjoy Rogue One. Oh, 100% no, you do. No, it adds yes, to it. Yes, you do. No, no, you don't. Are you joking fact, me? Like, uh, yes, you do. When people, it is the best Darth Vader we get. Period. Bar none. I mean, but it's for seconds. Seconds on screen. That's all we needed. No. Oh, when he it's so walks more. through the door and it opens and you see the black smoke come out and you just hear him breathing and then the lightsaber turns on. Dude, tell me you didn't get shivers. That part's great, but it doesn't make the whole entire movie. It, it doesn't. And You're I right. The entire band of travelers. It, if somebody watched Rogue One without knowing the Star Wars movies, they wouldn't enjoy it as much as they watched. Absolutely, no, it's they an wouldn't. Espionage no, they film. wouldn't. It, if they if they didn't know the original trilogy and then they watched Rogue One, they'd be like, "That's eh, okay." But I don't know what the hell is going on. I disagree wholeheartedly. You don't need to know. That's the one. What makes it the best? It has no connection to the larger Star Wars universe aside from that disc that gets passed through the door at the end with the Death Star plans. They could have been stealing uh, nuclear codes. It doesn't matter. That's the MacGuffin. It's an espionage military story about people who use any means necessary to get the job done. And they're supposed to be heroes, but they're doing some nefarious things. And, and I think that's what makes it so good because 
all the other ones are like Disney heroes. And here in Rogue One, we get some some real freaking people. Wow. Can't believe you have Rogue One, your favorite. It's the I'm best. I'm a little shocked. I'm a little shocked. You shouldn't be. It's the best one. Wow. All right. Wow. Let's have a beer. Let's take a break. Okay. When we come back, we have spoiler lounge of marriage story now out on netflix most people have seen it we want to delve a little bit deeper into the review when we had don shanahan here we did just that so we'll play that for you plus matt k versus Alyssa in adam driver scarlett johansson movie trivia stick with us let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. is sponsored by Jiffy On Demand. Jiffy On Demand? Yeah, that's right, Ryan. Wouldn't it be great if you had a, sort of an Uber for anything you need done around the house? You need an electrician. You need a plumber. You need an HVAC guy. Maybe you just need a light bulb changed or something broke. That sounds lovely. It is. It's fantastic. It's just as easy as calling an Uber, and all of their workers are vetted, and licensed, these are guys that are trusted. And if for some reason something doesn't work out, Jiffy has a 100% satisfaction guarantee, Ryan. So let me get this right. Jiffy On Demand is an app on the phone? Yeah, it is. You just go to jiffyondemand.com or your app store, whichever phone you may use, Android or Apple, and download the app. It's, it's pretty easy. And if you use the offer code CINEMAJAW, you get 25 bucks off your first Jiffy job. Wow, save $25 by using the code CINEMAJAW? Yeah. I love it. What cities can we use this in? You can use it in Toronto, Ottawa, Boston, and Chicago, Ryan. I love Jiffy On Demand. You should. You need the help. And we thank them for their support. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's go. Master, sir, I heard Yoda talking about midichlorians. I've been wondering, what are midichlorians? Midichlorians are a microscopic life form that resides within all living cells. They live inside me. Inside your cells, yes. And we are symbionts with them. Symbionts? Life forms living together for mutual advantage. Without the midichlorians, life could not exist, and we would have no knowledge of the Force. They continually speak to us, telling us the will of the Force. When you learn to quiet your mind, you'll hear them speaking to you. I don't understand. With time and training, Annie, you will. You will. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby. And we are back on Cinema Jaw. Matt, when we had Don here, we talked Marriage Story. We yeah. reviewed it. Mm-hmm. And we went a little bit deeper. Yeah, there's, there's more to it. We wanted to spoil it a bit. So this is for people who have seen Marriage Story and are interested in our takes on the spoilers, twists, Character deaths, if there are any, and all the things in between. You've been warned. You're about to hear the sirens. This is a warning. You have entered the Cinema Jaw Spoiler Lounge. Plot details, character deaths, twist endings, and everything in between will be discussed. Only continue forward if you have seen the movie discussion or do not care if something is spoiled for you. Again, this is a warning. All right, you're in the spoiler lounge here, mm, Matt. We heard the warning bells. Yes, the warning bells are here. It's the Cinema Jaw spoiler lounge. We have seen Marriage Story, and we didn't want to go into full detail because we right. knew people hadn't seen it at the time. Right. It's not called Divorce Story. It's no. called Marriage Story. It is. So we don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Matt, you had an interesting question regarding Marriage Story. Yes. And for the last time, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to spoil it right here. If he doesn't cheat, if Adam Driver's character, uh-huh. Charlie, doesn't have the moment of infidelity, do you think those two get divorced? You mm-hmm. or me first? 
I was actually going to say I still do think that they get a divorce. I don't think it happens probably right away. I agree. But I think that these two people were drifting apart. Uh, there was enough shown there to us that the characters weren't going to get along uh, long term, that they both had different goals. And I think it, Scarlett Johansson's character explains to us that she realizes that she had sort of lost herself. There's that moment where her actual thought process is that her, her life came alive. And what she realized that it wasn't coming alive, it was just that she was giving him ideas that he was starting to use. And if anything, she was starting to feel smaller yeah. once his career started going. Line. And it was wonderful because I think she felt it. And then it was like, oh no, it's really not that. It's, it's what I thought it was, but it wasn't that at all. I'll she wasn't that. feeling it alive. I'll follow that. I, I don't don't think they'd get divorced right away. I think they kick that can down the road for a few more years. I think they get to that point where, all right, we, we have professional differences. We have creative differences. We don't have loving and inf- infidelity differences where it's one of those you stay together for the kid divorces. You know, they get, you know, they get divorced when the kid's 18 instead of eight, you know, just to get the kid through school and not have to do any custody things. Like, you know, just it would be a loveless, tough 10 years. My goodness. But, uh. I think they, they, yeah, they do the separation thing. They, they, especially if they're, you know, actors of the top 1%, you know, the, the theater person, a Hollywood person, they, they, they'd be, you know, ships passing the night, but they, it wouldn't, I agree, it would not be as immediate, would not be as volatile. What do you think, Matt? Oh, you know, it, it, that's interesting, man. I, I don't know. I guess I'm hopeful. So the, the whole, the whole point of the movie, at least, I don't know. I don't want to say the whole point of the movie, but the one thing you're holding on to threads, you, you want to see these two get together yeah. again. I mean, I think that's just every sad romantic tragedy. But the thing at the end that they don't tie up, which I found so annoying, Laura Dern says, um, and when he's in L.A., you get 55 percent of mm-hmm. custody and, and he gets 45. And, and she says, um, Scarlett Johansson says, but I didn't want that. Right. And then cut to them signing the marriage papers. And here's the moment, right, where you think they're both going to throw him out the window and run and get mm-hmm. back together. I knew that wasn't going to happen because no, no, it wasn't no. that kind of movie. But my point is that was completely unresolved. Nope. It was yeah. it was resolved, actually. Oh. Because that was set up for that nice moment at the end when uh, the kid was sitting on the curb and she said, hey, you want to take him home tonight? And he said oh, to Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. but it's your night. And he said, and she said, no. Go ahead and take them. Yeah. Meaning, look at the lawyers went through this whole entire thing to get you that extra five percent of time with them. But at the end of the day, these two, it actually was to going to be together. a win. It wasn't. Right. They weren't going to get back almost, together in that fairy tale mm-hmm. way, but they were going to end up working together in a in a, in a divorced, well, yeah, separated because way. Because civility wins after the paperwork gets signed. You would think, you know. I mean, especially when kids are involved. And I, and I mean, I'll go back to my divorce. Like. Um, like I said, young college sweetheart thing. We probably shouldn't have gotten married and all that, but uh, we weren't married very long. But at the same time, we didn't have a kid. So I, I can only imagine just what that is with kids. And, and I, I just can't picture it. That, like, just to put those kids in the middle. Now, my parents are divorced, but they did the whole, they did what I was explaining before. They waited until, you know, the good kid was 18 who was going to go to college. And they got divorced as soon as I got to college, you know, but they were loveless hating each other for a good 10 years, you know. So, yeah, you, at some point, could they have, pulled that trigger earlier and made things better even with the shared custody even with all the hurdles and stuff like that and you wonder but at the same time i don't know like yeah i i maybe i have hope that without the infidelity to go back to the original question maybe without the infidelity they can get to a healing point you know that there's a there's a breaking point creatively or professionally where they get to a a compromise or, a, or an understanding from misunderstanding and they can get better at that and maybe maybe for the sake of that kid or even for the sake of each other there is possible healing but unfortunately it, once that trigger gets pulled of infidelity that's normally yeah. the that's, that's the death it, knell. That, it's certainly at least very very difficult yeah. some some couples seem to bounce back but is it's pretty rare mm-hmm. here's here's another question i have for you guys mm-hmm. who do you think or let me phrase it this way do you think Noah Baumbach was successful in making this movie balanced between the two characters, or did? And we're all men in this room. We let's, are. Let's admit to that fact. But do you think it is successful in in portraying both of the characters sympathetically, and or does it make one of them seem to be the selfish one, the one at fault? Yeah. Who do we identify? I, with? Well, I mean, we're men. We're going to identify with Adam, but at the same time, no, I think. I think the selfishness, the unchecked selfishness of Adam Driver's character 
is very overwhelming and becomes very clear. And then, of course, he still has the mistake of infidelity where I, they, this is skewed to be a woman's victory, and that's okay. Women can use a little victory in this, and I think that's all right. She, the woman has the better lawyer. She has the better relationship with the kid. It, uh, she has the better career going forward. So it, I know that I don't want to ever tie – it would never make my review, and I would never tie this to Me Too and things like that, but it's okay. It's worth discussing. It's worth discussing, but at the same time, this is a very fair place to give – a woman a win because she earned it she deserved it and it's fine and and, and i but I, at the same time this is not noah bashing fellow men i think i think it's a because we talked about just with that last question where it's a sliver of a difference of a situation where they're probably okay and i think that is the better balance of normally when we see these movies there's such an egregious mistake that it's painfully obvious right and we don't have that we have a, we have something, something that could be healed could be worked be very real so i think that's where the balance is i yeah, still think I, it's skewing to make adam wrong and that's all right I, and i go back to the word honesty i think this was bombach being as honest as he could about the situations that he's seen i, I read an article that you know he went through a divorce so he, he's got this you know history and, and experience but he also interviewed friends lawyers family people that went through things and i think he was just trying to be as honest yeah. as he could and tell a story um, Probably the most hard-hitting... Powerful story at that. I think the most hard-hitting gender-imbalancing moment is Laura Dern's speech putting Mary and Jesus on the table there. Mm-hmm. That bit. was pretty That's great. pretty ballsy. It was know? great. And again, written by a man. So yep. like, um, that, yeah, and spoiler alert, when she gets up there and tears the whole institution of the idea of women down to, you know, and says, we're not going to be that, or you shouldn't be that, like, that's the, that's the moment, as if you didn't have the moments earlier, that's the moment where, nope, they win, mm-hmm. you know. And, so this and, movie has a, a layer of, of gender inequity within the story, cooked I, in. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Uh, really quick, did anybody here think that that little knife that Adam Driver's character carries? <laughs> what a scene. But oh my, yeah. I actually did think it was going to come up when it was first shown. It's shown in really oh, yeah. quick. You don't show to, a gun and not fire Exactly, it. right? Yeah. So I saw this knife, and I thought, oh, no. I thought it... This goes the way, and he ends up killing himself with that knife. Oh, I wasn't sure if yeah. it was going to go there, but it crossed my mind. And then when that happens, where he yeah. cuts his, his arm mistakenly, and he's bleeding, and he's trying to get that lady oh, out gosh. the door, hysterical. Blood, One of the right. funniest scenes of the year, yeah. I thought. That and, was really and, funny. And an odd, and, and odd scene, because you're, <laughs> you're not, you, you want to laugh because it's comedic, but at the same time, like, oh, crap, is he all right? Oh, man, this is not the wrong time. You, you're rooting for him not to screw this up because we don't get Scarlet scene with the Observer and all that, so you're like, well, you're really hoping for him not to screw this up. And didn't they and get the paper towels right? That happens to me yes, all the time. Absolutely. when you, you You can rip a paper towel mm-hmm. anytime, but when you only need a couple, the whole entire roll just yeah. won't stop coming. He's got his foot up there. He can't oh, get the paper towels. Mm-hmm. Crazy. I want to see Kylo Ren do that in the next Star Wars movie. Because oh, that's act, that's acting right there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, one last thing. Last thing on this one here, Spoiler. guys. Ooh, hit it. So, so did did either of you pick up on the this very subtle, or at least maybe completely unintended Jojo Rabbit reference when she ties his shoe at the end? I think it was completely unrelated. But unrelated. I, I it's yes. The, it's a the reference old adage, now. The old adage is, you know, you couldn't tie your shoes without me. And guess what? He still couldn't tie his shoes without her, even after divorce. Right. It's the old adage of that. That's a nice little slide put to there. Now, don't get me wrong. That hits like a ton of bricks after Jojo Rabbit mm-hmm. and where her shoes were tied or untied. Yeah. So, no, I, I think it's the it's it's a very poetic finish. It's, mm-hmm. Is it a cheesy slash corny one a little bit because most people know the old adage of you can't tie your shoes without me? Yes, but that's that's a perfect ending, though. I liked it. It was. And Adam Driver's, but it's hard after Adam Driver's singing? Yeah. I did Who not knew? see that coming. Who knew? And wow. what a song. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, I was trembling. I felt <sighs> my lip. I could feel the emotion. I'm like, mm-hmm. damn it. And he's going to keep going because then he, yeah. you think he's done with the first verse. Yeah. And you're like, all right, I didn't cry. And then here comes the second verse. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, he's going to get me. Yeah. Mm. The, the, with the key change and everything, man, <laughs> yep. he really nailed that. That was a good piano player, too. It, 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 I, I totally agree. And if there's a person who I did not think could sing, it's Adam Driver, who has the most monotone, weirdest voices in the business. You know, like, and here he comes belting out this tune. That was yeah. amazing. He was. He was. That good. was awesome. Mm. All right. That was our spoiler lounge. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you agree, disagree, want to leave us a comment, feedback at cinemajot.com. Do it, Jawheads. Thanks, guys. Marriage story, one of the best. No arguments. Yep. All right, Matt. We come to the end of a great jaw here, but we got to play some trivia. Of course we do. Yes. And as promised, we've been doing this all year. When someone wins a riddle, 
we give them the option. Do you want a prize pack or do you want to take Matt K on in trivia? Yeah. And lo and behold, the last couple have wanted to take you on in trivia. Well, I hope more do. It's fun, frankly, to get to talk to jawheads and... You know, it, I always lose anyway. It so. is fun. And so on the phone, I believe calling in from Cancun, Mexico, we have Alyssa. Welcome to Cinema Jaw, Alyssa. Hey, guys. Thanks. So, Alyssa, how long have you been listening to Cinema Jaw? Around four and a half years now. Wow. That's that's amazing. Thank you for, for listening to that long. How did you uh, come across us? I was curious. So I was listening to Stuff You Should Know, and they were talking about how one of them was on your podcast, Cinema Jaw, and how it's a movies podcast, and I love movies, so I was like, well, I need to check this out. So I checked out your podcast, and it was awesome, so I'm ho- I was hooked. Wow, that's that's totally cool. It is. And, and I got to give you props. We hear from a lot of Jawheads on these riddles, and there's like a, a good group of them that answer almost every single riddle correctly. And yeah. Alyssa, you're one of them. You, you, wouldn't you say you've answered almost 100% of them? Close to it, right? And anytime I answer, I seem to get the right answer. Right. This year, I haven't answered as many because I've been busy, but last year, I got all 12. Yeah, there we go. Boom. So. Well, oh, thanks, thanks again. Yes, hopefully she's as good at trivia as she is the riddles because I love to see Matt K lose. Uh, in honor of Marriage Story, which we did a spoiler lounge of, mm-hmm. we are playing Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson movie trivia. It works like this. Alyssa, you're our guest. You get to choose if you want to go first. Let Matt K go first. There are steals, and if you get hung up on any questions, you get one pick-me-up, Pat. Producer Pat has clues to all the questions. What do you want to do, Alyssa? I think I'm going to need to go first. Nice. All right. Question one over to Alyssa. Adam Driver starred in his first Spike Lee directed film last year. It also starred John David Washington and Topher Grace. What was the name of that movie? Ooh. Uh, Spider-Man. That's the only thing I can think that Topher Grace has been in. <laughs> that is incorrect, Matt. First question, you I, got a chance for a steal here. Alyssa, I think you're going to kick yourself on this one. It was uh, Black Klansman. Oh. Topher Grace was David Duke. Ah. He was actually pretty good. Yes. One to nothing, Matt K. I don't like the sound of that. Question two is over to Matt. Matt, earlier this year, Adam Driver starred with Bill Murray in a zombie movie, name it. The Dead Don't Die. Two to nothing, Matt K. All right, enough of this. Come on, Alyssa. Question three is over to you. In 2013, Scarlett Johansson starred in Don John. What actor played the lead, Don John? That's a tough question. Oh, man, I didn't see this movie. You do have a so, lifeline if you need it. Uh, all right, let's go for it. Yes. Pick me up, Pat. Pick me up, Pat. There it is. Question number three. Pat, who starred in Don John? All right, so your clue for this one. Um, this actor was in Inception and The Dark Knight Rises. So he was in Inception, Dark Knight Rises, Brick, Oh. And Don John. Is that Mrs. Gordon-Levitt? Yes. She is on the board. Can we get a thank you to Pat? No. It is two to one, Matt oh, K. Sorry. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> there you, there you go. go. Question four is over to Matt. Matt, Adam Driver starred in this 2014 Noah Baumbach film that starred Ben Stiller and Naomi Watts. Name the movie. Man, I, I I had the go- Joseph Gordon-Levitt one. Noah Baumbach, um, the Squid and the Whale. I don't know. Is that is that even Baumbach? That is it incorrect. Is, okay. 
Alyssa, you got a chance for a steal here and to tie the game. Adam Driver starred in a Noah Baumbach movie. It also starred Ben Storr and Naomi Watts. What was the name of it? What year is it? I don't have the... Oh, 2014. 2014. Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller, Naomi Watts, Adam Driver. Uh, I'm blanking. I'm not sure. We were looking for while we're young. Boy, these are tough, Rye. Hey, it's okay. It is It is two to one. We still got a chance here, Alyssa. Question five is over to you. We all know that mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson plays Black Widow, but in which Marvel film did she make her first appearance in? Oh, man, this sounds like a Matt K question. <laughs> hey, it's over to you first, so this is good. When did Black Widow make her appearance in the MCU? Oh, man. Uh, I'm just going to have to guess here. Uh, Avengers? Matt, that is incorrect. You got yeah. a chance for a steal. What do you got uh, Alyssa, you are so right. This is a Matt K question. It was Iron Man 2. In the ring with Happy Hogan. That is correct. Unfortunately, it's three to one, Matt Kay. I hate this. Uh, question six is over to him. Matt, what actress starred alongside Scarlett Johansson as her best friend in the 2001 movie Ghost World? Oh, man. I love this. Thor Birch. Oh, boy. It is four to one. So happy to see Thor Birch this, this year. This is terrible. Alyssa. Question seven is over to you. Adam Adam Driver has a small role in one of the Coen Brothers movies. Name it. Oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> On the spot, it's tough. Adam Driver, small yeah. role. I, I don't really know directors all that well. That's the issue. I can't mm. think of any movies. Mm. Any guess? It had Oscar Isaac in it. Uh, uh, no, sorry. Oof. Matt, do you got to guess? Question seven. Adam Driver, small role in a Coen Brothers movie. Inside Lewin Davis. Oh. Five to one, Matt Kay. And the last question of the game is over to him. Matt, speaking of the Coen brothers, Scarlett Johansson appeared in one Coen brothers film. It came out in 2001, and it starred Billy Bob Thornton, Francis McDormand, and James Gandolfini. You do have a lifeline if you need it. Okay, why not? All pick, right, pick, pick me up. Pick me up, Pat. Question eight, what was the name of that Coen Brothers movie that starred Scarlett Johansson? Wait, that one's easy. Is it? I don't know it, Alyssa, at all. Uh, So your clue for this one is, this clue was never here. Hmm. The one I was thinking is Burn After Reading. Um, So that'll be my guess. Incorrect. Do do you got a guess on this one, Alyssa? See, I was thinking Fargo, but then I was like, wait, Scarlett Johansson wasn't in Fargo. Right, right. Mm. That would not be it. <laughs> um, starring Scarlett Johansson? Well, she she makes an appearance in it, um, but it has Billy Bob Thornton as the main oh. star of the movie. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We were looking for the man who wasn't there. Hmm. A lesser-known Coen Brothers, but a Coen Brothers nonetheless. Uh, if it came down to a jawbreaker, this question would have been over to Alyssa. Better actor, Scarlett Johansson or Adam Driver? Uh, probably Scarlett Johansson. We'll give that to her. We'll yeah. give that to her. Um, the real jawbreaker was this. Age of Billy Bob Thornton closest to. Matt, do you got a guess? Billy Bob is 60. Lock him in at 60. Alyssa, you got a guess? Uh, 
probably go with 63. We'll give that to Matt. 64. 64 for Billy Bob. He's getting up there. He is. Yeah. Matt mm-hmm. does win this one, unfortunately. But Alyssa, this was great talking to you, and I'm glad that uh, you constantly are getting the riddles correct. It's always exciting to uh, see that right answer come across the email. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for taking some time out of your vacation to Cancun to be on the show. That's awesome. Totally. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is super fun, so totally worth it. Well, awesome. We'll have you back sometime, Alyssa. Yeah. Thanks so much. Happy holidays, and as we say, keep on showing about the movies, Alyssa. Thanks. See you guys. Thank you. Now it really does bring us to the end of a great jaw. Yeah, it's been a, it's been an epic evening of cinema jawing. Let's go to a galaxy far, far away, Matt K. I'm ready. I am so ready. Yes. First and foremost, we got to thank Don Shanahan, who was uh, heard there in the spoiler lounge. Also got to thank the Jawhead. Yeah, thanks to Alyssa for participating and taking me on in trivia. Lots of fun. We also got to thank our producer over there inside the fish tank, producer Pat. Of course, guys. It's always a great time. And we got to thank the Chicago Podcast Cooperative for helping us get great sponsors like Overcast and Jiffy On Demand. If you want to support Cinema Jaw, the easiest way to do so is by leaving us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And while you're there, please, guys, click subscribe. One extra button, and it's immensely helpful to us. Until next week, I'm Ryan the Movie Guy. I'm Matt Kay. And, and keep on John about the movies.